Friday was another standout day for Britain's top share index, taking it to an all-time high. Investors loaded up on consumer and tech stocks, pushing up the major indexes and nudging the Nasdaq to a record high. That would be a ninth straight record for the FTSE 100. And that's, that beats, you know, that record streak we had in 1997. That's pretty phenomenal start to the year. The year is young, but already we've hit a number of stock market records. The FTSE 100 and S&P 500 have passed their all-time highs. Everyone is a flutter after the Dow Jones Industrial Average passed the somewhat arbitrary 20,000-point mark. Many equity market bulls will feel it vindicated. Other investors might be getting nervous. So is this all a mad sugar rush? Do higher share prices imply higher valuations? And if so, is there the risk that equities are overvalued and therefore headed for a fall? I'm Alex Newman, and for this special podcast, I'm joined by tips editor Algie Hall and specialist writer James Norrington, both of whom have been looking at this topic in recent weeks. So James, if I can start with you, for the million dollar or maybe 20,000 point question, how do we know when markets are overvalued? Are there ways of quantifying this? Well, there are ways that we have looked at quantifying this in the past. Uh, Famously, um, Professor Robert Schiller with his cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio, which currently for the United States is is on a rating of 29 times the inflation adjusted average earnings over 10 years, which is historically high, not as high as in the dot-com boom period, but the long run average going back since 1900 or whenever he started it is about 17. So over time, it does show that in the US, it is looking quite expensive. That said, we're in a very different place now than we've been in the past. Our markets are inflated ridiculously by quantitative easing in the past, and obviously that tapered off in the US. James, you've been looking at all the data, and I mean, the US is one thing. What about UK markets? Are they looking historically pricey at the moment? Well, in absolute terms, uh, we're hit at record highs with the FTSE 100 as well. But actually, again, if you look on the, the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio, um, sort of which you can compute using Thompson data stream going back to about 2003 for the UK 100 and it's another huge amount of data there but the average since then has been um, 13.9 and we're currently about 14.5 so we're not massively expensive by those historic standards again we've got cheap money low interest rates but I think with all equity markets the key is is not just looking at equities in isolation as an asset class look at them compared to other asset classes so the bond market bond prices are absolutely sky high and historically you've got to look at equities in the context of the risk premium the implied return that you can get over time from investing in shares over government bonds and and with uh, the gross redemption yield on bonds currently on the floor about 1.3 percent i think for 10-year benchmark gilts then even though the implied return from the uk cash flows and and at the high price is is lower there's still a premium for investing in shares um, which which investors you know, are prepared to take the risk for given that they're, they're getting uh, nothing from gilts or certainly not from cash in the bank so we have in the jargon we have this risk on trade at the moment do you see that changing at all with is a bonds still for the foreseeable future looking looking very very expensive we've had a 20-year bull run in in bond prices it's very difficult to sort of to see where we can go from there with that an, an asset that supposedly most investors private investors will access the bond market through investing in a bond fund while if you hold a bond to its uh, full term, you should get your principal back. Investing in a bond fund, you're going to lose capital value um, because bonds of different uh, maturities and, and there's price risk with fluctuations on yields there. So actually bonds aren't as risk-free uh, an asset as you might consider that they were once. So so that's why I think people are prepared to take the risk uh, with equities and, and in for a, a less risky uh, asset, then it's probably better to hold more of your money in cash and maybe take the hit on inflation. And uh, I see that's what we 
do every week, Algy. So as Tips Editor, you're looking at equities and the company's writers will come to you each week with ideas. Have you noticed or you've seen it in sort of in the last year, slightly more stretch valuations, everything else being equal? When you're given these ideas, you become a bit nervous about where equities are sitting? We're always nervous because we always want to do best by the readers. Yes, there aren't so many out-and-out bargains, I think it's fair to say. And also um, the stock screens, which um, you've also been involved with recently too, Alex. The screens are a lot less productive when you have companies which are showing lots of outward signs of qualities. quality. It's very hard to get very good valuations on them. And I, th- I think, you know, the bull market's been going on for a long time. And it's probably harder to find standout value all over the place. But what what you can see is that in certain sectors... There are definitely value arguments to be made, as well as um, arguments that certain sectors are overvalued. But a lot of it at the moment requires you to look through the cycle. That's probably especially pertinent in terms of what James was talking about with yields, because what a lot of people have felt with yields creeping up, we're starting to see a rotation away from growth stocks and into what are conventionally called value stocks. And those are kind of unloved, probably, you know, quite often quite unattractive parts of the market and companies. But if you're prepared to believe in the cycle, you can look at certain areas like financials being a great example and oil stocks, which had an amazing run last year and say there is value there if you believe these companies and sectors are going to become more productive. And then equally, you can look at what appear to be value sectors on um, basic metrics, which if you make comparisons with the whole market, with something like house builders, for example, they'll look cheap on price to earnings ratio, but comparatively to where they historically trade, they're actually very expensive and returns are at a place where you'd imagine they, they must be topping out soon. So you've also got danger signs in terms of areas which have run up with the bull market becoming potentially overvalued and it won't take much of a turn for things to get quite nasty. Airlines last year is probably an example of that. But then the broader question of whether the market's overvalued, I suppose what, you know, what we're really asking is, is the market going to fall? I would say this is very finger-in-the-air stuff, but it definitely feels like it's expensive enough that if the market did fall tomorrow substantially, there'd be plenty of people saying, oh, I told you so. It wasn't, it, was, you know, it wasn't cheap. Look at the ratings, everything was on. One person who's been talking about that is Seth Klarman, the value investor. And this is one of the few hedge fund managers to have been praised by Warren Buffett. So he recently told his investors that the rally which greeted Donald Trump's election has led to what he called perilously high valuations. James, you talked about the rating that US equities are, are on. Are there any other signals that might suggest that they are primed for a fall? And is there any read across from US equities, perilously high valuations, in Kleiman's words, which have read across to UK stock? Well, the US market sort of does tend to lead. Uh, it's, it's just, I think it creates a narrative among the big investment houses of panic and uncertainty that, that can spread around financial markets. I don't know whether fundamentally there's any any reason why it, it should be the same. You know, I think you've got to look at it in terms of that. So something like CAPE, it's not a market timing tool. So while it, it says that markets are expensive now, it doesn't mean that it's uh, predicting they're going to suddenly drop off. It just means that on balance of probabilities, you're going to get a lower annualised rate of return from this high pricing level than you would get from, from if it was a bit cheaper, which you know implies that you could get a fall because that, that will feed into a lower, longer term rate of return. But again, it comes down to this market premium. What are you paying for the risk? And I think you're not getting good value for risk in absolute terms. I think that's sort of one of the key things. But then you're not getting good value 
at all anyway. You're not getting good value on your cash savings in the bank. I think it comes down to, for investors, it's it's broad asset allocation, making sure that you've got your time horizons right and that you have plenty of cash and, and money on hand that you can ride out a period if it does fall. The worst thing you can try and do is time the market. Really, you need to stay in the market, but make sure that you know, you're not going to get absolutely wiped out in, in the short term and, and you're not in a position where you have to pull money out at the worst time. You've also been writing recently about stock market narratives that or investors, investor narratives, which can sometimes be a bit of a fallacy. One potential argument you might make about US stocks is that this exuberance and rally is a, partly a product of promises of lower taxes, which is obviously bumps up earnings forecasts automatically. So is there a risk that price earnings or CAPE can fail to build in other macroeconomic pictures, which a corporate tax cut uh, might lead to? Any investment metric can be blindsided and also um, value investors spend a lot of time being prepared to be wrong for a long period. They can be right on fundamentals, but the whole point of value investing is that the market does silly things so you can take advantage of it. So the market can run away and we haven't actually probably seen one of those periods of kind of out and out dot com style spike, which would be a reason to feel more nervous about valuation. But then again, James has talked about not being able to get good returns from anywhere. And probably, you know, the elephant in the room, if we are going to have a bust, a lot of people are talking about, you know, the political change at the moment. But it's QE, which we've had for absolutely ages, this phenomenal and bizarre period of monetary experimentation. And that's coming to an end. That's what could spell the next round of trouble. It's kind of, and it's almost a hangover from the financial crisis and the credit crunch. So ironically, the medicine could be what causes the next i don't want to say disease but whatever it is when the market crashes <laughs> good stuff well on that optimistic note we'll end it there so for more on valuations investment narratives and overconfidence check out james's excellent cover feature in this week's magazine and we'll also put a link up to a, a piece he wrote in 2015 where he asked a similar question it looks at a number of key measures which can hint at stock market over exuberance you can find all of our podcasts on the Investors Chronicle website, the Acast feed, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.